Welcome to Casual Sets, a weekly podcast on the game of tennis from the experts themselves. I'm your host, James Presley. As we wrap up grass court season on the professional tennis circuit, we now see the summer hardcore swing underway in the beginning of the U.S. Open Series. Now in its 15th season, the U.S. Open Series is a five-week summer tennis season that links seven North American hardcore tournaments to the final Grand Slam of the year, the U.S. Open in New York. To kick off the U.S. Open Series, the road to New York starts with one of my personal favorite tournaments, also my hometown, the BB&T Atlanta Open. With the tournament just days away, I spoke to BB&T Atlanta Open tournament director Eddie Gonzalez to give listeners a sneak peek as to what makes the tournament so unique and what fans across the world can expect. So, uh, good morning, Eddie. Welcome to Casual Sets. All right. Thanks for having me. Great to see you, James. Right, thank you. Thank you. So, uh, we're just weeks away from the 2018 BB&T Atlanta Open, and this year is the tournament's seven year in Atlantic Station. So, for the listeners who've never attended, what makes this venue so unique compared to other tournaments? Well, anybody that's been here knows that Atlantic Station is so easy to get in and out of. The parking, covered parking spaces where most events, the parking's outside, so you get that protection. And then you get all the amenities here, from the hotel for the players, to the restaurants, to the shops. So it's very accessible for the fans, very accessible for the players. Volunteers have a lot of amenities here. So we try to make sure everybody has ease of access. And bottom line is a lot of fun while they're here. Yeah, very great. So Atlanta, which is an ATP World Tour 250 Atlanta, is the first tournament to kick off the U.S. Open Series. Uh, but to officially start the road to New York, you guys are having a rematch of the 2017 U.S. Open Women's Singles Final between Sloane Stevens and Madison Keys. Where did the idea of such a dynamic exhibition come from and how did it develop? <laughs> well, I'm really excited for that this year. I mean, we've always had a vision of wanting to be a mini U.S. Open here. And so having a U.S. Open Women's Final is a major coup for us. And we say being a mini U.S. Open, what makes the U.S. Open so special is not just the tennis, it's night matches, it's people watching at re- restaurants and shops, and of course, great men's and women's professional tennis. So having that to kick off the U.S. Open series is something we're very proud of. And frankly, we're also very proud that we're the only men's tournament that starts off with a women's exhibition. And it really, this year is an evolution that started from last year when we had Venus Williams and Jeannie Bouchard. And that was to a sold out crowd on our first Sunday night, brought us a new diverse audience. Uh, it brought in the women's component. And so being able to continue that now in year two with Sloan and Madison is something that uh, we expect a sold out crowd once again. Okay. Well, I can definitely say I'm looking forward to it, seeing those ladies score up again, especially if it comes anywhere near to as exciting last year's final was. Uh, so going back to the men, uh, Atlanta's not only hosting some of the world's top players, but really the cream of the crop in American men's tennis right now. Um, there'll definitely be some of this year's returners. So what do you think keeps the players coming back and making Atlanta their first stop after the grass court season? Well, from the Americans' perspective, I mean, there's only 10 men's tournaments in the United States. So if you're a young American, you want to play in your your own home country. So I think that's something. And also, as we said earlier, being something that starts the U.S. Open series, and Americans typically do better on hard courts, and, and we really want all of our Americans and, and the young Americans to come here to propel their career. I mean, last year, uh, Tommy Paul coming through qualifying and getting to the, uh, getting to the quarterfinals, uh, having Taylor Fritz, who's that former U.S. Open junior champion, uh, coming back this year, Ryan Harrison. Uh, and, you know, he's still young, even though he's been on the tour pushing ten, almost 10 years. And he broke through last year to get to the finals. 
And then Jared Donaldson that we gave a wild card to two years ago. He's now top 50 in the world. And you got Francis Tiafo that won his first ATP event this year. So uh, I think the reason the players like to play here is twofold. One, it's a tournament in the United States. And two, as we said earlier, all the ease of access here. Having the practice courts right here on site, the only tournament that I know that they can actually walk to their matches. Oh, yeah. So all that accessibility and, and ease of practice courts and stadium and their schedule is, is why they like coming here. That's great. So um, now a personal question to ask you. I want you to step outside the realm of tournament director and have a seat as a tennis fan. You have four-time champ John Isner returning, former semifinalist Jack Sock, and 2016 champion Nick Kyrgios, who's never lost here, which are players uh, going to be in 2018. So which are the ones that are the ones to watch, and who do you think tournament goers might be sleeping on? So if I'm just looking at it from a fan's perspective, I think all three bring something that you want to see. I'll start with John as our four-time champ, a guy that is 6'10", that can hit a serve 140 miles an hour, is something you really can't appreciate until you see it live. Secondly, Jack Sock, end of the year, eight in the world. And outside of Nadal, those two have the highest RPM on their forehand. So that means just... The, the racket head speed is something that, and again, unless you see that live and how, how hard and how heavy with so much spin. And then last but not least, Nick, who won the tournament 16, he is just so athletic. He's so talented. He hits shots that other players probably don't even consider as part of their um, repertoire when they're right. playing. And that works to his advantage, and sometimes it works against him. But... Right. He's just so athletic. So those are the things that I think I'm looking forward to that I would encourage any sort of tennis fan to want to come see live. Right, right. So you think there's any other minor players, well, not necessarily minor players, but any other players that may or may not be seated that players should probably watch this year? Well, the beauty of our venue, as you know, is that our worst seat is 13 rows from the court. Mm. So that's like being at a courtside box at any other major sporting event. But we've talked about... Francis Tiafo. He's a guy that's probably, he's not going to be in our top four seats. He may be in our top eight, uh, but he's a guy that I feel like has kind of broken through this year, and I expect to be top 20, even top 10 in the world in the next two years. Uh, and I think Taylor Fritz is close. I think he's a guy <laughs> that, um, you know, has a, uh, his backhand is top 10 in the world. He's got some movement. Uh, Issues he's trying to work on just to be a better court cover because these guys hit the ball so hard right. and just being in the right place at the right time. So I think from the American perspective, those are two guys that I'm looking forward to continue to see their progress. Nice, nice. Uh, you know, I feel as if it's almost unsafe to bet against John here. I mean, the man's been in every single final Atlanta except one. So uh, definitely looking forward to seeing, you know, what goes on with him. Don't again bet against year. Nick now. No, nope, no, not at all. Nick, Nick did. Yeah, Nick did take John out. Here, <laughs> exactly. <so. laughs> Um, but speaking of Bulldog greats, uh, this year the University of Georgia has their turn in a yearly tradition here that no other tournament has, at least to my knowledge, which is yeah. the collegiate wild card. So for listeners, please explain how the players are chosen each year and what can they expect once they're given the wild card. Well, uh, and something else that we do that is very unique is the only tournament in the world that we know of, like you said, that has a college night. University of Georgia's football team had a great year last year, getting all the way to the national championship, winning the Rose Bowl. But Georgia's football team could never play against the Falcons or the Patriots for real. 
And so part of uh, our belief in having a college night is we want our youth to come here and to dream big, to dream about maybe one day playing high school tennis, college tennis, or even in the BB&T Atlanta Open. And so we provide that opportunity. This year, University of Georgia and Atlanta's own Emil Reinberg, who is a returning senior uh, at University of Georgia, is going to have the opportunity to play for real at night as our feature match. And, uh, and the reason we do that, as I said, is we want to – we want our youth to dream big. We believe in college tennis. We think college tennis is a pathway. And we're very excited the University of Georgia's behind this. They're going to have UGA here. They're going to have cheerleaders. Nice. We're even going to have the Rose Bowl trophy. There might even be some other surprises along the way. Wow. <laughs> but that Tuesday night will be a fun night. And Emil is a guy that really rises to the occasion. He will embrace the moment. I think he will do great. They'll have a lot of Bulldog Nation out oh, yeah. here, as well as just the Atlanta tennis community that knows Emil and has seen him through the junior ranks and mm -hmm. now having a great college career at University of Georgia. Definitely looking forward to that. So, Eddie, one last thing. Uh, you're the only tournament director that we've had on the podcast, and I don't think a lot of people realize that putting together just a week-long event is really a year-long process. So could you tell me a little bit how you became the director here and what a typical day looks like just prepping for the tournament? So I would say that at the end of the day, I'm a passionate tennis player, just as you are. I, I, I love tennis. I love what it's done for me. And in 2013, when the opportunity presented itself to become the tournament director, and as we said earlier, one of only 10 in the United States is pretty cool. In Atlanta, that is the number one tennis city in the world. Um, was an opportunity in which I was on the volunteer board of directors previously with the USTA when they owned the tournament mm -hmm. in, in 11, 12, 13. And so when that opportunity presented itself to move to the staff uh, and, and kind of lead the team efforts, I thought it was just too great of an opportunity to pass up. And then you're right, it's a, it's a nine-day event, mm -hmm. but our team works year-round mm -hmm. to dot the I's and, and cross the T's. And it's primarily trying to put ourselves, we try to run a tournament the way we pay money ourselves to go. So if we feel that we would feel good about shelling out money to come see pro ten tennis, then we know we feel good about the tennis community coming out. Then the barometer for us every year, just from a sales perspective, is have we grown in the sponsorship community? Mm -hmm. And have we grown from the ticket sales perspective? And we have each and every year. And a lot of that is our team working hard here, but also the Atlanta tennis community with Alton USTA supporting us. But then the business community then trusts us to help them grow their brand because they want to be aligned with tennis. And so every year we're trying to tweak it, make it a little bit better. And, uh, and that's, what we're, that's what we're looking forward to sharing with you and the rest of the community in, in a couple of weeks. Nice, nice. So for those that cannot be here, what are ways that they can still interact with the tournament or see the tournament? Well, if you can't be here, shame on you. <laughs> and uh, But we also have our family zone here that is a non-ticketed area in which the community can come and learn mm -hmm. about tennis and get exposed to tennis. Because at the end of the day, we want people to be excited to play tennis and then celebrate professional tennis once our BB&T Atlanta Open rolls into town every year. But if you can't even be here, then with our ESPN partnership, our first ball to our last ball 
singles matches on stadium court or on either ESPN3 or ESPN2. She can tune in either from a streaming perspective on ESPN3 or semifinals and finals on ESPN2. Nice. Well, Eddie, I must say when July 21st comes around, it's one of my favorite times of the year. I love what GF Sports does with the event, the uh, tournament staff, and uh, it just keeps getting better and better. Always looking forward to it. So thanks again for taking the time to speak with me today. Always make time for a fellow lefty. <laughs> Thank you, Eddie. Thank you. Appreciate it. Throughout this year's tournament, I'll be talking to players before and after matches so listeners can get a feel for what goes on behind the scenes between matches and the preparation that occurs en route to the biggest Grand Slam of the year. So be on the lookout for that on our next episode. See you at the courts. Peace.